Welcome to The Ether. Today is Monday, April 11th, 2022. This episode of The Ether is brought to you by Luart. Luart is the first gamified NFT platform built on the Terra network. Luart provides a seamless minting and trading experience, all while earning you rewards just for being a user. Be sure to follow them on Twitter and join the community in the Discord server for the most up-to-date news and announcements regarding all the hot new NFT launches, platform upgrades, and new projects hitting the secondary marketplace. Are you ready to put your helmet on and join the movement? Find out more at luart.io. This episode of the Ether is also brought to you by Intern Capital. Everyone knows interns make the world go round, so when it comes to picking out your interns, make sure you choose the best. The best you say, that's right, the best. And everyone knows all the best interns come from Intern Capital. Be sure to follow Intern Capital on Twitter and keep an eye out April 14th for the Intern FT Mint launching on One Planet. Links are in the show notes. And for more information, check out intern.capital. Be sure to follow Intern Capital on Twitter for daily ship posts and stock tips. TerraSpaces appreciates the support from all our sponsors. Today on the Ether, Multi-Chain Live, hosted by Familiar Cow, chatting about Rune, Luna, AVAX, and Bitcoin. Let's take a listen. What's up, guys? So we'll wait till Chad gets on here. Yo, what's up? Hey, what's up, man? Not much. Just uh, watching Rune get called a shitcoin, testing Thorswap V2, <laughs> all kinds of fun stuff today. <laughs> yeah, what do you think? Uh, well, yeah, what do you think of V2? I love it. Um, yeah, I saw I, I saw that feedback you you posted even today about like the countdown timer and stuff like that too, which is a fantastic idea, and I know that that's being worked on. Probably not day one of v2 but i know it's coming for sure but yeah in general uh, it's just like it's way better <laughs> like uh, like i'll be honest even even me like the first time i saw it i was like oh, i don't know like it seems seems cool but it really kind of like the more i got to play with it and like poke around and really get to understand v2 it's like it really is like a huge uh a huge leap forward so i'm really excited and i also think it'll like it's only going to continue to improve, which is maybe even more exciting than like the launch of it because like, yeah, it'll be a huge step up. But even then it's not like, it's not like with the launch of V2 that it's like done and going to be like the same for the next year or whatever. Like there's still going to be a lot of, a lot of new stuff rolling out and improving with it. Yeah. Just a new look, right? I mean, the new look looks sick and it's, I mean, it's kind of like Uniswap, but I mean, there's a reason why that's a good, uh, way to do it because it's, it's nice and clean very easy to understand i hope that da- did you have is the dashboard updated too like is that kind of like the same stats as normally just on the top of the home page uh so as far as i understand it that's actually being kind of rethought so i think all the stats are going to end up um on thor yield um and the dashboard is just going to be like the pool view uh there might be stats hidden somewhere but i think as of the latest version currently uh 
yeah, I don't know. Like it's not, maybe I'm dropping alpha, but like, <laughs> yeah, the, the, that view right now is just showing the pools. Um, and then stats are linking out to Thor yield. Um, yeah. Yeah. Thor yield stats are actually pretty nice. I didn't even know about them until the other week. And then I checked them out and I definitely like Thor yield stats. The thing is, I, I, I feel like, like, I think some of the calculations that Thor cha- that Thor uh, swap does it, it like it doesn't use the, the daily price of rune, it just uses like today's price of rune. So when you go back and look at old calculations, like the numbers will change mm. like very drastically, like the amount of like volume and stuff, because it just you know it does a rune calculation, it does a calculation and it doesn't normalize for the price of rune on the, that particular day. It just says like, oh, this is how much rune was swapped on that day, and then does today's price rather right. than weighting it by that day's price. So I think like there's some <laughs> some weird stuff that uh, you know. It, like that's so why it's why I don't use like Thor Yield as like my rune uh like door chain dashboard of like just the network stats and everything. Yeah. Use a Thormon or is it Thormon? Door chain or, uh, Thor, 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 Yeah, Thorboard, Yeah. Uh yeah, that 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 one's really nice. But it doesn't update as it doesn't have like to the day. Like it takes like a week or something to get like that past week stats. Yeah, from what I'm seeing, I wouldn't be surprised if like Thor yield just gets dramatically better over the next couple months and just ends up being like, like maybe we're checking it all the time by then, but uh, I definitely see a lot of improvements there. And, and then like also uh, at, at least like my opinion on this would be like integrating parts of Thor yield into Thor swap makes sense too. like going the other way, like getting stats off of Thor swap and getting like, your LP tracker into Thor swap kind of makes sense in my mind, you know? Um, ju- yeah, that's just kind of the way I'm thinking about it. But yeah, it seems like that's kind of the way it's going is like Thor swap being less of like a developer stats dashboard and more of just like the actual uses and functions. And then Thor yield being like, you know, more of this like stats dashboard. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it already kind of redirects you for, uh, your LP positions, which is good. Yeah, but even that, like, and it's going to be, it's going to be better. Uh, like, uh, again, this is a thing that it probably not on the day one of V two, but I think over time we're going to see, like, like, you know, when you just go to like your liquidity position in Thor Swap and you you see like a bit of a breakdown, like your withdrawable amounts and stuff like that. Like, I think it'd be really cool to have some of the Thor yield stats just integrated right there instead of like an external link. Yeah, you're right. That's something that I've been thinking about too, because like on the on this like dot com redesign, which we're still working on, uh, you know, we want to have stats on there, of course. But the question is, like, do you just have some stats and link to an external site, or do we want to have it all on the site? It's like these little design decisions that make a difference. It's because it's you know you want to keep your traffic internal on the website, yeah. but at the same time, you know, these other sites are being maintained and they're, they're built and a lot of, a lot of work goes into them. So it's like, it's kind of a waste to just, you know, say, Oh, we'll do it again for this site. It's like, you know, people have done the, the daily volume calculation uh, a million times already. Yeah. <laughs> it's not really necessary to, to redo it every single website that we make. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I'm just so, like, I'm so excited to see V2 like out in the wild though. I mean, uh, back to how you're saying, like, kind of even just like comparing it to Uniswap and stuff. I think what's been on my mind a lot is Osmosis because I feel like you see that really frequently. People are like, "Oh, Osmosis is like the best Dex experience that I've had," and like I've used it and like it's good, 
like don't get me wrong like but i don't really understand like what would make that like the best experience you've had so i think i feel like thor swap has a chance of like being the number one best dex experience i mean especially just considering like the actual functionality of it being so much broader than like a uniswap or an osmosis but ideally like my goal for it would be let's let's make the user experience also like the number one in the game well, the good thing about Thorchain is that you, no matter the the decks, we're going to be on that deck eventually, yeah. and it won't really matter what decks it is. So, yeah, sure. Osmosis can be the best decks. I don't care as long as they're they're doing their swaps with uh, with Thorchain liquidity. That's cool with me. Yeah, that, that's the crazy. I mean, I, I I know I'm at this point maybe slightly biased because like I joined Thorswap and stuff, but that's because I think they're awesome, not the other way around. And like, it's just made me so much more bullish. Like. It's crazy because, like, not only is the front end Thor swap experience like gonna be so good, where it's like something that's gonna you know attract people to the the front end, right? But also like with with the API and like the the aggregator API stuff, it's like you could see uh, like Osmosis utilizing basically like obviously it's using Thorchain on the back end, but like it could even be using Thor Thor swap like with their aggregator outs and stuff like that. So. I think Thor, like Thorswap is very much like it can be like a, a hidden layer as well. Like kind of the same way we talk about Thorchain like disappearing in the background. Um, so it's like, it's kind of more than just a, just a front end in a way. Yeah, no, it's definitely more than yeah. that, but it, I just like that people can still be using their own, Oh, totally. You know, home decks or whatever without having to, to move over because it's I, like the aggregator is going to be super nice because then we're not even going to need to go anywhere else to swap using all the assets. Uh, do you know which will be supported? I, you probably can't say which, uh, which like, which like what, what, what services they're using for aggregation? Like it, it like I assume like Uniswap are they, like is, Astroport going to be on there is like a, like what what's going to be on yeah let know? me let me actually, there was a public tweet about this let me just pin it um because it's really useful to just check but yeah i don't think like every i everything is public and some things are still subject to change for sure but but check out the pin tweet and it kind of lays out five um phases for the aggregator because it won't all be at once uh actually even from the thorchain side not everything is done with the uh like you can do the, I always mix up which direction it is like the swap in and swap out. So you can, the V1, you'll be able to do swap in, which means store chain is the last step, but then it, it's still not ready for swap out where like there's a step after the store chain step, if that makes sense to people. Um, gotcha. So yeah, we're still, we're still waiting on that. So like the V1 Thor swap aggregator is swap in uh, Uniswap V2, V3 and Sushi swap. So basically, so ERC yeah, any ERC twenty to anything on Thorchain, uh, that's that that's the first V one, and and then hopefully we see the swap out uh, come out soon, and then yeah, I'll just read it a bit, but yeah, V one Ethereum long tail assets to native assets on Thorchain, V two Terra aggregator with Astroport and Terra swap, V three more EVMs and L twos like Avalanche, Phantom, Polygon, Arbitrum. V4 Solana long tail assets and V5 IBC assets and yeah then it says this could change but <laughs> that's a that's at least a good like uh you know estimation of 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 what's going to come yeah uh one thing that I've been thinking about and this this might be this might be a hot take so I definitely want to hear people's reactions to this 
but uh you know I, like, I think everyone knows that there's a lot of like you know fairly large erc20s in uh Dorchain that don't really do that much and are that kind of get free rent off of block rewards and there's barely any swap volume you know there's huge tvl which kind of makes for this uh wasted security budget for Dorchain. and you know that brings down brings down node apys it it makes it so the we're just paying like the reserve the Thorchain reserve is just paying rent out to uh coins with low swap volume uh so i like i wonder now that that aggregation is right on the verge here whether it's time to start talking about like getting rid of some of these erc20 pools or even just going layer ones only on on Thorchain itself i, I want to hear some people's opinions on that yeah, uh, yeah. If people want to jump up, by the way, these are just open chats, so anyone can feel free, and we can go any direction too with these. But yeah, I don't think it's too spicy to say that uh, I'm I'm on board. Like, I, I think you could wipe out most of the ERC twenty pools. Uh, to be honest, uh, even even like probably the most interesting area to to really discuss there might be like the stablecoin pools, right? It's like, do you even truly need like? A USDC and USDT pool. If you have the aggregator, uh, I mean, obviously, that's the thing. Nice. I, I think that the stablecoin should stay. Yeah. Like, I think that stablecoin is still useful, uh, but like maybe maybe there needs to be a more objective metric on whether a pool can stay in. Just like that's not just whether it has enough rune bonded with it to be in the yeah. uh, liquidity pools, you know, like I, maybe what? Yeah. I, I think there's maybe some rethinking to, to do along with how this is, uh, how it's done, totally. like how we remove pools from Thorchain. <laughs> Cause I mean, you, you look at, uh, like, I hate to say it, but it's, it's Thor and, and extra and other biggest ones that are, uh, in, in Thorchain that do, like almost no volume on uh, on Thorchain, and it takes up quite a, quite a like APYs would actually be boosted if they yeah. weren't there. <laughs> Which no, that makes like, sense. You know, that, it's why it's like it's kind of drags everything else a little bit down. Yeah, from so, what I've heard, you know, like the stable pools would stay, but like there is even an argument. Like, like I w- I would love to hear like an in depth discussion about that. Like, does that actually add some value i mean obviously it, it's really nice for the lps obviously because now you can like lp a stable coin or whatever but um but yeah like does that truly add value to the network if you can get those swaps through the aggregator like I, i'm actually not sure yeah what's up smith hey familiar okay hey chad yeah I, I don't understand i wanted to hear more about your reasoning about why uh chad you would get rid of the stable coin pools i mean uh for me Basically, we want any pools that are doing large volume, and uh, I think the stablecoin pools do the largest volume. And so, uh, like, we we really want to have those pools uh, because they're bringing in a yeah a lot of volume and and driving yield. Um, and I mean, yeah, you could yeah. you could do it through an aggregator, but. Um, but if it's being done through an aggregator, it's not being done through the Thorchain pools. So it's not in the same way, permissionless, trustless, economically secure native multi-chain, is it? It's just part of that galaxy of bridges, which is... Well, it would be routing through the ETH pool, 
so it would still route through ThorChain. It's just like using like the SushiSwap router for like the ERC20 swap side. But and by the also just just to clarify, like I'm I'm really just posing the question. Like I'm not saying that I think they should be removed, but I'm more like curious of if there is a true value to that. If you can just have like like what if there was just like the single like what if the ETH pool was just massively deep and then you just used like the the aggregators for like routing through ETH through ThorChain to go like from USDC to Bitcoin or whatever, it would just route through SushiSwap, uh, but still do the ETH step through ThorChain. Like, I, I don't know. I'm just posing the question. I, I, I honestly, like, I, I would say, I would say it makes sense to ca- probably just keep the stablecoin pools and get rid of all the other stuff that's kind of taking up space. Um, but I'd be curious about, like, you know, like Nine Realms perspective. Like, are like, is there really? even the need and probably the answer is yes but it's just something to think about well i guess one thing is having stable coin pools allows people to like it has a slightly different risk profile doesn't it to having the gas assets um so the there's a little bit less downside even though there's more um impermanent loss so that the, there's one thing there but if if you were sorry i i had not understood what you meant and now i do so thank you um but if you were to do what you're saying would that involve the same number of transactions i actually sorry i would need to go in and look um on ethereum at some transactions so when you do a straight swap um, the number of sort of intermediary transactions varies. Right. If you do USDT to whatever, is it always routed through ETH or is it not? Yeah, the, I w- we'll have to get Mo Garki onto one of these to really explain the, the aggregator. Like, I can under I understand it in concept, but I don't know if I can explain exactly how it works. But I don't see how else you could do it besides routing through ETH on Thorchain. Yeah. So, so my initial concern when I first heard about this, like months back, I was like, well, mm-hmm. when you, like, like, aren't you paying gas twice? Like, aren't you then doing like a yeah, USDC that's, that's to ETH? That's what I meant. I, I yeah. guess it depends on whether, I guess it depends on whether the pool, uh, so, sorry, God, I'm, I'm trying to think here. Um, yeah, sorry. What, what, what transaction are we talking about? Um, let's say like, yeah. let's say any ERC20 to Bitcoin. You there? We might whether the ERC twenty is in an Ethereum pool uh, on on the long tail, or whether it is paired with. And sorry, they're they're pretty much always paired with ETH, aren't they? On on the the long tail on Uniswap, it's Ethereum pairs, not USDT pairs, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. Okay. So in that case, I don't think. Yeah. So. Yeah, uh, yeah. By the way, I'm hearing myself back a little on your end. Um, yeah, the, so I, I can't quite explain the, the technical side of it, but my understanding is like it from the user perspective, it would still just be like a single gas expense. Like it, the, the experience would be exactly how you'd want it to be. Um, how exactly that occurs, I can't fully explain. <laughs> but um, from the user perspective, it should be just the same as doing like a single swap like on the way you would do it right now on, on ThorSwap or anything with ThorChain, um, except like, like I don't, uh, I don't think there's any added fee on top of that. I mean, maybe the, like maybe the slip is involved if there's like, you know, the lower liquidity in whatever pool you're, you're swapping through, but there's not double gas as far as I understand it. 
Yeah. Oh, cool. Sorry about the reverb there. I, I was leaving my mic on, but um, I'll, I'll switch it off now if I'm not talking. Thank you. That's really helpful explanation. Uh, I mean, at the same time, to me, it seems like if we want to grow TVL, um, we should have the biggest, most liquid assets on Thor chain. And I think the gas asset and the stable coins seems like... Um, seems like a, a pretty good sort of starting point for most chains but um but yeah no sorry food for thought for sure totally secret is up here and if anyone else wants to come up and give their give their thoughts on what we're talking about which is like erc20s on thor chain you can hit the request button and come up i'd love to hear the community's opinions on all this stuff hey guys what's up can you hear me yep um, quick question um, regarding the uh, liquidity providing over the ledger. Will that get easier in, I don't know, a few weeks or something? Because the, you mentioned it before, Chad, uh, osmosis, the user experience. I can tell you that the uh, liquidity providing over the ledger there is way better <laughs> right now. Yeah, you know, like, but but the thing is, is that's because you're only having to sign transactions from a single chain, right? So it's kind of just like an, unf like, like the same thing that makes ThorChain so awesome just happens to make it a little more complicated in this regard. Because um, you have to, you have to have two apps open, you have to um, sign transactions from both chains, because you're doing a real transaction on each chain. Whereas like, Osmosis, you're kind of like, depositing your assets into the IBC world. And then you're just doing like, single chain transactions uh within osmosis right so it's it's easier in that regard um it's yeah you know i i don't think um i day one of v2 for thor swap i don't think the flow for that is going to be particularly different right away but um there's definitely work being done about like helping to kind of like detect that you're detect what type of wallet the user is using and then um, have different like flows available, like where it would kind of show you like, okay, step one, open this app, now do this, then open the other app, like to kind of walk you through it a little bit better. Um, that type of stuff is coming. Uh, but, you know, it's just the nature of the ledger. It's like you need to have like both the ThorChain app, you need to sign from both and you can't have two apps open at once. So that kind of triggers some of those errors. One um, tip I would give is I've actually found that with XDeFi and Ledger, uh, with ThorSwap, um, for adding liquidity, there's actually really no issue. Um, I, uh, just recently, I, I realized this, that you can do it without any errors or anything. You just, like, like let's say you're depositing to like the Luna Rune pool. You would just um, have the Terra app open and you'd, you'd like XDFI pops up the first transaction and you sign it from the Terra app. And then basically just the, then the ThorChain, then, then you just switch apps. And when the, the next uh, transaction pops up on XDFI, then you can just sign it with no error. Um, sometimes with withdrawing, I, I found I still had to just connect Ledger directly to withdraw. But then you actually only have to sign from the ThorChain side. So you don't even have to worry about it on the withdraw. So I know it's still like a little bit clunky and roundabout, but if you, if you've kind of done it once or twice, then it's actually pretty straightforward. Um, but I agree. I mean, stuff like that needs to be, that, that's still like an area that needs to be cleaned up, but on some level, it's just like the nature of how ledger works. Right. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, a guide would actually pretty would uh, help in that regard, like a step one, step two, step three flow chart or something. 
and then yeah it will be easier because i <clears throat> i mean i i i'm doing a lot of defi but i have actually trouble also using xdefi with uh, tor swap because I don't know. It, uh, I you have to connect the right wallet and stuff, and I I think it's just not really straightforward, in my opinion. Yeah, no, that that that's fair. Yeah, I mean that's my favorite combo, but it's true. Like sometimes if you want to connect like a different, like another wallet address, then you have to like all like um, remove the permissions and stuff like that. So you still kind of have to know what you're doing. I uh, I agree. Like I don't know, maybe. I guess that'd be on the ex-DeFi side, but like, I wish that it wouldn't remember my wallet, which might actually be an inconvenience in most steps, but because I like to connect multiple wallets, um, the fact that it like reconnects the same one I've approved is actually just like kind of annoying. Um, so I don't know. It's it, it just seems like it's a balance of like convenience versus functionality. Yeah, all right. That's all. Thank you. For sure. No problem. Hey, T-Bug. Hey guys, I'd like to post a hypothetical to you. I I, I do have a, a concern. Um, sorry, the validators' concerns. Um, in the in the current form, they're kind of quasi centralized in the sense that um, you don't really have delegators. You kind of have to be a whale to uh, to run a validator or be or contribute to the nodes at all realistically. Now, what's to stop with with the with them being quasi centralized? As I said, what's to stop a group of not really that many, say four or five people, buying in now at say around this eight dollar ish mark? Uh, last time I looked, um, bonding their nodes and then letting the price pump, um, and then just pulling out and then just absconding with. The funds they have maybe they don't care about the price of rune um because they've already made more in the in the vault they hold as opposed to what they ever invested in the first place yeah a few nodes to like it wouldn't take that much for a few of those nodes to coordinate and it would just completely dump the price of rune right yeah so i'll start off with the first part of that and uh the first part is that being able to delegate to a validator doesn't change the decentralization of it at all because it'd still be the same operator that is has control of the assets that's secured on the network so that it wouldn't actually change the decentralization of it at all. The, the decentralization is achieved through having a lot of different validators who are completely anonymous and that have no method of communication to... Uh, to speak with the other anonymous validators. And obviously, like, people could buy up rune right now and i guess they could wait for the price to pump up and then rug their uh rug their vaults that they have which would reduce their but i i don't understand what they no one would do that but because they could just sell their rune and get the the full value of their rune which went up rather than sealing it and only getting half the value because you'd just be able to like rune's a very liquid asset. You can just you'd just be able to swap that rune right to Bitcoin or whatever and it it wouldn't really be an issue. So I don't see why anyone would it, say like you you buy a bunch of rune right now, you, you have a validator and you do a bunch of them. Uh say you, you buy five validators, you spend uh a lot of money <laughs> doing that and rune doubles. Now you have double the money. So if you were to then rug your validator node, you would just be getting back the money that you originally put in because you'd be getting half of that back. 
So you'd, you wouldn't, even if, if rune doubled, you wouldn't have gained anything, but if you just sold the rune instead, uh, you'd have double the amount of dollar value. I, I guess the, uh, um, the situation I was envisioning, uh, the, this nightmare, nightmare hypothetical scenario, uh, I guess in that situation that rune would have done more than a, a two X, uh, I guess it's like if these people, let's just the hypothetical numbers bought in at a million dollars worth of rune and bonded and, and had a validator. Uh, I'm sure it probably costs a little bit more than that at this stage, but um, yeah, let's say they, they bought in a million dollars rune pumps, maybe five X, 10 X, but maybe these people don't actually believe in rune or actually believe it can sustain. Um, they just saw it as a, a, a pump and dump. I don't, I don't know. I just, I, yeah. Just, well, you can oh, just yeah. sell your rune then. Like, I, there'd be no reason to rug your your uh, your vault because so and, you would make even more. Yeah. If you just sold it. Way more just selling it. And yeah, you're, I, I, and I by, by the way, you're also making passive income while staking. So it's like you, you have so as a validator, say you put up a million dollars in in rune, and it goes five x. You have five million dollars now. Uh, let's say you're making uh, fifty thousand dollars a month right now. You'd be making let's say $100,000, $120,000 a month when Rune is $5,000. Uh, you, you, just, you just sell it if you wanted to cash out. You wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't rug your, your node. Yeah, if you wanted yeah. to like pump and dump it or sort of collude or something, I don't see why you would go through the hassle of running a full, a full node on sort of seven networks. Um, so I, I don't think that like, makes, makes a lot of sense. I, I, um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty yeah. satisfied with that answer. Um, that that kind of quelled. I do have a secondary question around that. Not not so much such a doing. Yeah, go for it. Question. Uh, not fud this time. Um, now with the current system, you can't really have too many delegators because then the node operator is not um, as incentivized to act. Uh, you know, honestly, like if they only had to bonds 10 percent of the bonds they wouldn't really have that same incentive to act honestly is there any possibility or or thoughts in the plan or like is there anything in the roadmap that's can potentially make delegation even really economically possible outside of, no because the, the whole so the whole or, reason that delegation doesn't exist in thorchain is because it's not possible to economically secure it in a trustless way which is the, the entire reason the bonding system exists for Thorchain in the first place. So in order to, to ha- support like assets like unwrapped Bitcoin, the validators need to be part of a threshold signature scheme, which secures a, a real Bitcoin wallet vault that uh, they, have, they have access to. Um, sorry, it, this wouldn't be for the TSS vault. It'd be for their own personal YIG vaults, which don't need a threshold signature scheme. So they, they'd be able to, completely move those funds without any kind of, uh, well, there could be repercussions if they move them. They, they can't move them without getting their bonds slashed. So uh, if they're securing bonds, if, they're, if they have rune from somebody else, so they get extra funds, that's extra incentive for the node operator to actually steal. So that's why it can only be really done uh, trustlessly without delegated validation. Okay, that's that's bad. This is just kind of baked into the system. Because you, you just be stealing it from someone who who is kind enough to give you their rune. You know what I mean? So, like right now, you there is uh, pooled validators. Like you can 
hook up with a node operator and say, Hey, I'm going to give you my rune and I'm going to, you're going to get a cut of it. And like, thanks. Like see you later. But if that, that, that node operator can rug pull you and they, they could steal, they could steal, uh, you know, all the money that your, your portion of the bond is securing. See that it's a different kind of relationship. It's not trustless. You have to actually trust the validator who has control of your rune. Yeah. So I mean, T-Bug, like that's something that I, I also recently kind of, um, explore myself seeing if it's possible for node or node validators to 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 rug it just it goes against the economic design of the network it they, they always have more to lose than gain um what does concern me a, a little bit though was uh like i i think it can be improved if the number of no if the number of validators uh expands so if it goes from 102 to to more um that's one way we can uh improve decentralization of validators um and I think that's going to happen with time. I'm, I'm not sure if there's a constraint to, to how many nodes uh, can be on the network. And I yeah, think even yeah. as the, the network expands in, 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 in TVL, uh, that's just naturally going to happen as well as, as people who are, who, who are early round investors want to diversify and, um, and, and maybe they'll fill off some of the rune and, and some, 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 more, some more people get involved, right? So for right now, it's right, right now the network is going to stay at 100 for a little bit while the architecture is improved. And that's to make sure that we're not uh, like we need to catch up on the tech debt that's been accrued over uh, you know the last year of multi-chain chaos. Now we need to make sure that block times aren't being slowed, that chain daemons aren't going down, like basically like iron out the issues before expanding. Because w- once you expand, especially beyond 120 and we get a, a, a fourth Asgard vault, uh, which would be created at 121 uh, nodes that uh, you can't really roll back from that. So right now is a good point where we're, we're over bonded right now, but we're more in need for for liquidity than we are for security. So right now the focus is on procuring uh, liquidity into the liquidity pools. And then in the future, once we've, you know, uh, gone through issues with the nodes and making, sh- making sure that it's, um, an appropriate time to scale up. That's when uh, the bond side and the node side is going to be scaling up. Wasn't the vote passed to go towards 120? Uh, or, or are you saying we're going to hang out at 102? Oh, I actually don't know the specific answer to that. I think it won't go past 120 for now. Right. That's for yeah. sure. I'm not, I'm not sure if it's still adding nodes or not. I believe it, unless something changed very recently, I believe that the 120 vote passed like a week or so ago so i think i think we're headed towards uh two nodes every churn uh for now uh, unless i'm mistaken but yeah um then then hanging out at 120 i think you know like there, there's questions around like like how much more decentralized is hypothetically like 240 than 120 like it's not a linear thing right um and uh, another thought i was just having is like uh couldn't you even make the argument that uh like the bond wars with a capped number of nodes um, actually does still move towards decentralization because what you'd have is like a lot, like, like some nodes right now uh, or some node operators run multiple nodes. Right. But if you're um, if the, if the bond wars are increasing due to like capped total nodes, then I would imagine you get a lot more consolidation um, like two nodes into one node, uh, which, actually is more decentralized. Yeah, for sure. 
Yeah. But I think that also uh, well, is the, the, the barrier to entry for non operators as well, right? So if you wanna if you wanna have a more uh if, if you wanna have like the most decentralized uh validator network and um like I like I think like the the the, the turning process does does his job really well. Um I'm I'm not sure if, if like concentrating the amount of or, or or limiting the amount of validators is gonna be as effective um in in either creating a secure network or or giving the sense of security to the to the to network participants as well. I agree. Like the sense of security, yeah. I mean, I, I ideally, like two thousand nodes sounds really nice, right? Uh, so on some level, there's just like you know technical limitations and, and scaling stuff. Like having it as as it being Cosmos based, there's this like theoretical cap of two forty, two fifty ish, or whatever. Um, and then there's like, like familiar was saying like this, this tech debt and, and scaling, like not wanting things to get clogged or slow. So I think, I think it has to be methodical, but, um, I definitely think, yeah, like even if it's, even if it's just for peace of mind and just like the public perception of it, um, more does for sure sound better, at least in my perspective. Uh, well, well, thanks for, thanks for the answers guys. There's, um, I hope no one really interpreted that as me trying to spread FUD or anything. There were just some valid concerns I, I think I had. And you, yeah, you had, these are clearly clearly things you've thought about. You had well, um, well-spoken answers. So I'm, I'm pretty happy with that response and def- definitely put some of my concerns at ease there. Uh, I appreciate that you guys have clearly thought about these vectors before. Yeah, no, thank, thank you for the question. By yeah. the way, like, uh, you know, this is just... Uh, you know, we're not like the designers of the network or anything like that. We just like to talk about this stuff. So th- thanks for asking. Yeah, but I, I, uh, I definitely like, you know, I, I think it's great to, to put out those questions. And I don't think it came off a, as FUD at all. I think it's reasonable to have concerns and like want to understand these things. Like, I absolutely want to understand these things if, if I'm investing and participating in a network. Like, I, I want to know every potential hole that it might have, right? So, um, yeah, no need to, no need to, uh, you know, apologize for the question or anything like that. I think it's, I think it's great to to try to look for holes. Could I ask a follow up to that though? Sure. So, if someone were to take a ten x leverage short on Rune and do what was proposed earlier, would that not still be more profitable to sabotage the network or? Would they have to be some joker figure with no uh, benefit in mind? I don't think you could take out uh, a short that big anywhere. Well, you can on FTX. So uh, this was one of my concerns like in 2020 when the Thor team opened up the treasury to FTX for leveraged positions. But you you can't take that. You can't take that. Um, if you take a 10x leverage short on FTX, right? You can't take out custody of that, can you? And then bond that to a node. I don't think that's how. I don't. No, but the price action short. on the rune, right? Because they're saying you would rather just sell the rune if you had the 4x uh, return or something, and you would make more than you would rugging the vault. But if you had some 10x short on leverage on rune, and then you rug the vault or coordinated a rug on the vault. Would that not be more profitable? I'm just kind of exploring the extreme. I guess it depends whether one validator would crash the price of of, of Rune and obviously losing half their bond in the process of doing that. Yeah, because then they would just 10x on the short, though. 
and if they coordinated it's just the incent is it incentivized and that's if that is the what's securing then it would be a concern if there is an incentive leak there i've definitely heard chad talk about uh, so chad barford talk about this exact scenario but i yeah i don't know the answer to that 100 percent yeah, I'm on the same page. I, I think this would be, I, I would love to hear this as well, by the way, if, if you ask this a time when, when Chad B or somebody more core team is on. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't. Yeah, I, I asked have a back in answer. 2020 and they didn't have an answer then. I just was stopping in to see if, uh, I've been following the project for two years now. So uh, when I heard that question, I was seeing maybe if we could get an answer to that. I have a question on Ethereum. What's up? When Ethereum goes to its upgrade, merge, will that have any effect on uh, rewards, staking, liquidity, anything like that? Nope. Okay. Yeah, all, all the yields on, on ThorChain come from uh, a combination of block rewards and actual swap fees and usage. So, uh, yeah, you know, I'm sure there will be some like back end upgrade stuff going on to make sure everything is still going along smoothly like on the technical side but from the user side uh yeah i wouldn't i I don't think anything would change um nothing would change in the way like thorchain calculates those things i mean what i would say if i can just quickly cut in is um what will be really interesting uh when the merge happens um and as the process of scaling happens um to, to see whether gas fees get sort of significantly lower and if ETH becomes like a, a super frictionless sort of L1 to use again, um, actually all of this stuff about sort of integrating 20 chains, uh, I mean, personally, sorry, I still think there will be at least a handful that are big players. Um, but if ETH became really frictionless uh, and cheap, I think what we would see would be that there would be a lot of volume in the Ethereum pools and in the USDC and USDT pools um, on a, on on ETH in ThorChain. Yeah, that'd be beautiful to see. Uh, Smith, are you are you like well versed in uh, the merge stuff? I, I don't stay super on top of it, but like I, I thought, I had heard the expectation was that gas wouldn't even have like a huge difference from it. But I don't know. Do you or anyone know like kind of the latest there? Yeah, no, I don't. Maybe someone else does. Uh, sorry, I, 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 it all kind of blurs into one a little bit. But I think uh, the, 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 there, there are a lot of different scaling solutions, sort of, aren't there? And ZK rollups are, are a big part of it. But um, yeah, no, sorry, I, I can't. I mean, I thought that the main chain was was going to become the beacon chain and be merged with. Actually, it was going to become a small part of a much bigger sort of ethereum system and so i was kind of assuming that it would have some impact on on gas fees but but uh no i can't authoritatively answer your question um i see some other people who sort of might know about this uh a bit better on the call if anyone wants to step up yeah if anyone if anyone knows feel free but yeah no worries yeah. for not knowing yeah. I, i'm not I, on top I, of it either i've requested to to respond to that Vitalik had sure. had previously said that they weren't expecting a reduction in gas costs until they implement sharding of the execution layer of the chain and not just upgrade the consensus layer. Sounds like an answer. Great, yeah, appreciate that. 
Yeah, I feel like I need to spend a little more time thinking about ETH, maybe. <laughs> Honestly, uh, Thor- Thorchain Bull was really intriguing me with his discussion around like, um, kind of like the long, long, long term of, of Bitcoin and the security budget uh, being kind of like dwarfed by it uh, versus something like like an ETH and kind of like the store, store value um, narrative. And it's really quite fascinating and gets me gets me thinking. Um, like it, obviously we're talking like multi-decades timeframes and stuff like that. Like I'm sure this would be after Bitcoin goes to millions and back or whatever, but it's pretty interesting to think like, I don't know if any of you are, are kind of experts in that regard, but it, it definitely like uh, planted the seed in my mind of just like, Oh, is like, could, could ETH or, or, or Luna or, or something else kind of like really t- start to tap into the store of value uh, narrative. Um, hey guys, uh, I, I think I, I think I remember um, the, the Thor Chain account tweeting something about how in the beginning, uh, like early investors and and people um, a part of the core dev team were 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 prevented from um, from from hosting validators uh, or from hosting nodes. As, as, and and that was in fact done to prevent centralization of the network. Can you expand on that a little bit, please? Yeah, the core team does not uh, run any nodes. Do you know much about like how that was kind of like enforced, though? Uh, um, no. <laughs> I, I <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't. <laughs> and, that's probably that, another. That's, that's another. Thing. Like, yeah. that, that's that's part of the the thing is that the net, the validators are supposed to be anonymous, and uh, yeah, I mean, if if anyone on the team does run nodes, which I do not believe that they do. Uh, if they do, they, it's with their own personal funds that they, the, the team, the core team hasn't received any of their, uh, you know, vested tokens yet, uh, you know, right. They, so they would have had to buy after. more, they would have had to buy all that room just off the open market. And then even, even still like, like hypothetically, like, like <laughs> if Chad B like ran a node or whatever, it's like, he would still have to run two thirds of the nodes to really be able to like mess shit up. <laughs> like, it wouldn't actually be like much of a concern, right? Right. That that was one thing that they said during the uh, the the Bitcoin Miami panel that you they posted earlier, Chad. It was like, yeah. oh, uh, how do we know that the that the team doesn't run, uh, you know, all the validators? Which which is which was very funny because it, that was like as a response to like because uh, this liquid a uh, liquid BTC, they're uh, just a multi sig. So it's like, all right, well, how do we know that the team isn't running the validator? It's like your team runs the validators. <laughs> it's just it's it's just public. Uh, I think it should be pretty obvious that the core team does not run a majority of the validators, and they have publicly said that they don't run uh, any validators at all. So. Uh, and I, part of the design is that validators are supposed to be anonymous to prevent, uh, prevent collusion. So I think that's one of the most important parts of being a validator. Thorchain is not giving up your uh, identity as a validator because that makes you a, a target. If someone breaks into your node, uh, that's, that's all your funds gone right there. They could, they could rug you very easily. I uh, see so your hand up, uh, Black Knight. Hey, thank you very much. Um, yeah, sorry, it's just because I'm on the mobile phone. Um, I just, I, I come to this um, group usually just kind of to um, listen and educate myself. And I was just having a kind of a deep thinking about Bitcoin itself. Um, and I read somewhere about, I, I think I, I read it or I listened to some podcast about the ETFs. And at the time when the ETFs came out, 
um, they talked about it being something really bull. And I kind of looked at it and thought, well, Bitcoin's kind of hitting the the 68,000 mark. And what, what, what do ETFs, what are they great at? They're, they're great at trading. And they shorted the entire market with that ETFs that they first came out and then just, you know, sucked out everybody's money into the big VCs. And when people talk about store of value, they keep using 21 million Bitcoins and that's all it's going to be. And Well, we already know there's millions lost anyway, you know, from the beginning. So there's never going to be that number 21 million. It's just gone. I, I think probably two, three million easily have disappeared. But the ETFs, what they've done is actually they've made it unlimited because it's paper. It's like when you when people trade stock and they do calls and puts, there is no limit to the calls and puts. You can put thousands upon thousands leveraged. It doesn't exist. There's no limit. So it just takes away that whole thesis of Bitcoin being 21 million coins. It isn't anymore. Yes, it can be 21 million spot coins, but on an ETF, you can leverage as many as you want. You can do 10 times the number and nobody cares. Yes, you'll get liquidated. You won't get liquidated. So I find the store of value that everybody's using like ridiculous now once ETFs are there. And, you know, the SEC, if you think of them, they're never with for, for us, for the for the little guy. They're all insiders and, you know, big, big gangs. of They're, they're just an, another big VC, but, you know, made out that they're the legal SEC. And that's one of the reasons they won't agree on a spot ETF, because What's the use of a spot one? Because then you have to limit it to 21 million. Nobody can go and say, oh, yeah, I'm going to leverage that spot ETF. Well, where's the backing? Um, so I think th there, there will be some form of move away from Bitcoin. And it has to, for this whole thing to succeed, you have to move away from Bitcoin. I mean, look at the market today. Bitcoin dumps from what, 43,000 to 39. The entire market is wrecked. You know, all these altcoins, if you think of them as companies, you know, does Tesla have anything to do with Apple? No. Does Apple have anything to do with Google? If Apple um, has bad news today, does that mean Google has to dip to, to hell? No. So what was wrong with, you know, where's all these developers that need actually the solution that needs to be found at the moment is decoupling from Bitcoin. You know, that to me is the, is the main solution. We, we need something that comes out and says, I'm the coin that is non-reliant on Bitcoin. And when you look at Luna and Do Kwan, he's actually making it more reliant on Bitcoin, saying, oh, I'm going to back all my Luna with Bitcoin. Like, no, you kind of need to back it with something else. And I, I don't know what it is, what the solution is. You know, they tried reserve currencies with Ohm and, and trying to... Um, have have it have have it looking at an entire set of coins, a basket of coins that didn't even work out. But you know, you're the developers here, you're the programmers. I'm just a, a person who buys and sells coins. I, don't, I have no clue how to program. Somebody needs to look in depth at the 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 wrong in this whole market that we are completely reliant on one coin to more or less decimate. Like if Bitcoin tomorrow went down to a thousand, every company that's ever existed in in crypto will go to shit. I'm sorry, but like you, you will have nothing. Your market caps will be nothing. And how, how have you allowed that? How have you as developers allowed that reliance on an anonymous group, Satoshi or something, to control all your work? Is that not wrong? Thank you. I agree with most of what you said. Um, just th that that's the market, though. I mean, nobody is controlling that, right? Like, it's just the market is going to do whatever irrational thing the market wants to do right like there's no 
coding to be done to say, oh, Luna and Rune are no longer correlated to Bitcoin. It's more just that, you know, people right now, they trade their, they trade all their crypto based on Bitcoin to some extent, not entirely, I would, I would argue. Um, but even then it's like, the, like right now, like wh- why is Bitcoin going down? I don't know, some stupid stock macro bullshit, whatever. Like, I, I don't know. There's, there's no real reason for it. Um, the part I, I would, I would agree and disagree on the part about like the, the ETFs and stuff, um, agree such that, you know, it's all paper, it's all bullshit. It's no better than, you know, stocks and bank products and, and, and all that crap. But, you know, what I would just urge people to do is like, you know, if you have friends that are, you know, hyped up for this ETF or whatever, I would say, dude, wake the fuck up. That's not Bitcoin. Uh, Just go buy some real Bitcoin because real Bitcoin has these, you know, laws written into it in a sense. And and not just Bitcoin, like like all of these, right? They have their, they have, they're programmed in, in such a particular way that, you know, if if some centralized trading platform whatever wants to allow you to trade infinite bitcoin or whatever it all goes to shit when it's not redeemable right so um maybe an unpopular opinion but like personally i just like don't give a shit about any of that stuff like i don't know there there could be like a rune etf launch tomorrow and i would just be like oh like this is stupid like why are we doing this <laughs> like i, I just want the real what's up there's a, I think there's a little bit of a misunderstanding of why markets move with Bitcoin. And I, I kind of talked about this a bit earlier today, but I, I can maybe rehash for just a moment. Let's hear it. So, so you have several mechanisms why this happens. One is um, that uh, BTC being the largest liquidity pool is also the largest pool against which other coins are traded. So people pair BTC to Luna, they trade BTC to Ethereum, they trade. So all these pairs lead to um, the creation of uh, robotic platforms, the robotic trading platforms, they trade against these things, and they cause correlation. The second reason why markets are correlated is because leverage uh, is often tied to those assets with which people will offer you leverage. So for example, if you have Bitcoin, you can borrow off your Bitcoin to go buy some um, rune or something like that, right? So you wind up with a leverage-based correlation. And then thirdly, um, you have things like ETFs and rebalancers, which is a different type of sort of bot in a sense, such that, um, and AMMs are examples of rebalancers, right? Like if you have rune versus Luna, and um, if Luna goes down a lot, um, effectively your rune will be sold to fill your luna pool right so the rebalancers and amms also make a substantial effect in terms of correlation across markets so these are all why markets become correlate correlated um this is true in the stock market as well like if you go to tech for example um and you know the nasdaq is down you'll find that typically multiple stocks in that uh, are going to be down. So the idea that like Apple and Google and such are not gonna, are not correlated, they're very much correlated. Um, now, that doesn't mean that necessarily like if Apple produces something really interesting, their, their stock might not go up more at that day in reference to, let's say, a Google. But in general, markets do have quite a lot of correlation. It's thus that in a sense that if you're in a sector, for example, energy or tech or crypto, you're going to have a tendency to ride the market in total. Your your 
not going to fully escape that necessarily uh, unless there's just a, some, you're building something so amazing and people are so you know willfully interested in it that all the buying power overwhelms all other externalities which you know will happen from time to time but it won't happen 24 7 365 days a year where your coin is up only right that's that's the general concept here um, thank you. Sorry, is, is it Kefi? I think that's that the name on your. Yeah, with the, like, like yeah. That, thank you. That, you know that that that's one of the best explanations I've heard actually about how the market works, and um, it just it it annoys me that just this Bitcoin just has this hold. Um, yeah, it's I, I, it's frustrating. But I think what you should do is actually, if you think of it this way, you you plan your plan your altcoins or whatever such that you can take advantage of that movement when it happens. And um, the key thing is not to be blindsided by those movements. I know it's frustrating to try to plan around these things, but you should always plan around the possibility of downside or upside in any given day and um, take on leverage, not take on leverage, buy certain things um, with that sort of caution in mind, which is why a lot of retail folks, like they're like, you know what, screw this. I'm just going to DCA and everything like, you know, because that way you don't have to take on too much risk at any given moment as far as like, um, you know, picking, making a wrong call or something like that. I, th I think, um, it's probably the first time with this downtrend that I've actually been 50% in stable coins, which I've never done before, but just, it kind of just didn't feel right this market. But again, it might be just a, 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 a stroke of luck. And um, just Chad, one, one thing you mentioned about you would have the physical Bitcoin and not the ETF, but it's the same thing when it comes to gold, not everybody wants to have gold in their house and, and don't know where to store it or how to put it. And it can be stolen from you when the ETF representing gold will back it in a way. Um, so that's where the ETFs for Bitcoin to me are the same as having physical Bitcoin if I don't know where to store it or how to store it or I've got nothing to do with you know ledger and hiding my ledger, hiding my seed, then it makes it much easier. So on one hand, it has a positive of making more people access Bitcoin, but on the negative, it then inflates the number of 21 million to unlimited. Uh, yeah, that's all I needed to say uh, today. Thank you very much for the opportunity. And by, by the way, the, this concept of uh, that uh, sort of papering up Bitcoin is going to cause a problem. Um, this was actually um, like well taken into account uh, in the design of Bitcoin is specifically the hash rate rewards uh, is what um, handles that problem so that you have an artificial massive drop in inflation that overwhelms all externalities. It's so brutal that um, you have to like change all your equipment, right? Um, but it, it, um, it makes it impossible to eliminate the volatility of Bitcoin such that um, the, you know, that volatility continues to, to bring in new traders year after year. But um, given sufficient time, um, the scarcity model will has and will continue to work. By the way, um, and regardless of what other kinds of like, you know, how you paper it, because really most of the paper products aren't allowing you to sort of like own BCC, but uh, deal with the price action of it. And ultimately, like longs and shorts and stuff have to balance out. Same is true in the the paper market. Um, so yeah, you could have the paper market get into trouble, but 
to have it develop contagion to where it affects the um, the primary BTC market is actually a much more, I guess, difficult thing to do. So anyway, just some thoughts. Um, you know, I, I don't think necessarily the the futures market and such is going to be a concern in the sense that like that was all considered at the time of design of Bitcoin as an automatic side effect of having an asset like this. Um, and uh, again, the scarcity will usually just kill off all the externalities over time. Well, I, sorry to cut in. I just wanted to actually thank you, Sefi, for, I'm sure it happens all the time, for the spaces and talks and stuff you do. If it wasn't for your spaces and the, the, and the calls and stuff you make and a lot of the information I've gathered from you over the last couple of months, I would not be anywhere near as confident or in nowhere near as, as good of a position for this downward movement. Like I, I managed to formulate a plan for myself. I have buys scheduled in. I'm putting in my Coogee bids. But if it wasn't for a lot of the stuff I've heard you've been saying over the last couple of months, I probably wouldn't be anywhere near as prepared for this and wouldn't have been as anywhere near as confident. Uh, so thanks. Yeah, also, cool. um, did. I, sorry, I've been quiet because I've been trying to go into this question that someone asked earlier about the economic security. If a if a node were to basically rug pull the assets that they secure and to short rune, so they they would actually need to make about two point four million dollars from their short uh, in order to be profitable on a trade like that. And I don't see how you would make two point four million dollars off of a off of a small. Uh, like I, I, I don't think that it would drop the rune price like that. Uh, like I, I don't see how it'd be more profitable doing an attack like that than just continuing to secure assets on the network or to just sell your rune. Not that it's not possible, but I don't think that it's especially likely for this to happen to, to try and profit two point four million off of a while you're a validator node to try and you know do something funky and then to profit off of the short. Uh, rather than just do do something with your your bond so sorry i've been looking into that the whole time <laughs> as a validator are the rewards paid out independently of the bond or are the rewards paid out into the bond they're paid directly into the bond and it's weighted based on how much rune that you have up to three times the minimum amount of bond so the you earn more up to nine hundred thousand rune uh, secured in your bond so you can't take profits until you uh, at some point become cycled out. Otherwise, right. everything, yeah, you, you, everything you have would be bonded. Yes, you can't churn out until you're unbonded. Oh, sorry, you can't like take your rune out until you churn out, and then you can unbond. Yeah, I think that's a good clarification, right? Because there, there's a big difference between one node like rugging its YIG vault and hoping the price of rune tanks so that you can short it versus like, two-thirds node collusion actually sending the rune price to zero and shorting it right like the latter would be nearly impossible whereas the former like one node could fuck around and it doesn't necessarily have an impact on anything if all the necessary protections are in place right like if one node just tries to like steal its uh you know it's let's say four million dollars of non-rune assets or whatever like well they're just gonna get slashed to hell and like lose their bond and all of that it doesn't necessarily mean that like the whole network is even at risk right or if they did some kind of like fake halt to like say that there was a malicious attack or something like that another node 
uh, has the ability to resume trading on the network if uh, you know things aren't actually bad. So I it, that's why it seems unlikely that a attack like this would affect the rune price significantly enough to uh, create a, a, that large of a profit for someone shorting. And not even to mention the, the whoever's shorting on Binance, like that's all KYC. That's it's all uh, above the belt there. Sefi, on the on the Bitcoin topic. Do you have any thoughts about this this argument that I, I I see going around sometimes of just like the really long term of Bitcoin and like when when mining rewards are like just so minimal like and if transaction fees can actually uh, be sufficient for for security like do you have any thoughts on like the super long term of Bitcoin in that way? Yeah, that's that's one of the that's certainly one of the ongoing arguments uh, that you know the especially with lightning network uh, batching transactions and such it does make it cheaper and quicker it it just doesn't immediately support um you know mining operations directly um especially if you're not really mining much in the way of uh any significant number of coins and all of your revenue has to come in from transactions i i suppose the other thing that could happen as time goes on um if btc becomes more of just a base layer um, what could ultimately happen is, is the uh, transaction fees of the base layer could actually just simply be raised, and uh, that could be done via consensus. Because if you know the number of total transactions goes down because things are happening on things like Lightning or other uh, secondary networks, then you could escalate the size of the the the, the you could increase the cost of the transactions for non-lightning transactions or something like that. So there's always ways to sort of work it. Um, you just have to, they'll have to see what the incentive is going to need to be to um, ultimately um, uh, make it profitable to be running the actual nodes. But uh, I, I wouldn't say it's a problem that's unsolvable or whatever. There's all sorts of things that can be done. That's, I would say that's the, the, the least of Bitcoin's problems right now. <laughs> Um, What's a uh, question related to Rune, though? Uh, uh, so right now, what does the value of Rune need to be to uh, approximate um, securing the assets on the network at the moment? Obviously, that's a moving target since the assets themselves are dropping in value while Rune is dropping at this moment. But um, what would be the the uh, I don't know. Like, let's say Bitcoin was worth. 30,000 and um, we, we dropped the market by uh, about uh, a quarter, let's say, just for just to say um, as a theoretical thing. What, where does Rune need to be price wise to make sure that it's secure in the network and um, what kind of like incentives are in play to kind of ensure that buyers emerge? Yeah, so right now the uh, deterministic price of Rune, which is basically the uh, that, that is the total market cap of non-Rune on the network as if it was priced in Rune. So that would that's $2. So if you were to cut uh, 30% off that, uh, so that's 0.7 times 2, that'd be about $1.4. So that would be the minimum price of Rune to secure all of the assets on the network economically. Yeah, because the, sa the same way people like, you know, are going to FUD Rune, they're going to, Fud Luna with the idea that well you have to have a 
you know, certain price that the coin has to be in order to sufficiently um, uh, sort of, you know, back the network in terms of financial security. And um, the the trick is always the, like, what what are the actual deterministic features? I With Luna, one of them is your yield goes up as the price goes down. And with, um, with Rune, I guess it's the validators uh, have to buy Rune, right, ultimately? Well, if you were to get that low, but yeah, sorry. You can go. Th- there's a few things happening at once. Um, one being the whole way down, the pools have to rebalance, right? So you're creating these arbitrage opportunities that would uh, basically bots would be pulling out the non rune assets to, to rebalance the pools, right? So you'd get this rebalancing happening on the way down. But that's not even the, the the full picture. The other part of it is the incentive pendulum uh, would start swinging basically entirely towards the the node operators because if um, like right now we're in like an overbonded state, right? There's plenty of cap space. Uh, the network is overly secure, right? But if Rune starts dropping and the network is getting uh, even remotely close, like like basically the the 2x is considered like the safe spot. In reality, it's it's only a uh, it's only a problem if it gets down to one to one, right? So there's like plenty of safeguard built in. Um, and if it is getting into like even g- approaching the dangerous territory, then the incentive pendulum swings. Uh, let, let's say hypothetically, let's just say it swings a hundred percent towards the nodes. Uh, which can theoretically happen, meaning you basically at that point, you would have all of the system income going to the node operators, which would, for one, it would incentivize node operators to bond more rune uh, for more people to try to become node operators and so on. On the other hand, it would it would disincentivize LPers to pull out. So, you know, if, if your rune Luna LP was suddenly at 0%, what are you going to do? You're probably going to pull it out for now. So there, there's kind of these like self-regulating um, checks and balances on a few levels at once. Steffi, to, 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 I think to touch on your point of does Rune's price have to be something to uh, have to be a particular number to, to secure the network. Um, what's great about Rune is that this, this security net, the security of the network scales with the amount of assets that it uh, secures. Um, so it's, it's not like runes price can be anything as long as it's, uh, three times non rune T approximately three times non rune TBL. Um, so if, if, if suddenly, and then like, it sounds like you, you're, you're familiar with the, with, like with the BTC, um, cycle. So if you, if you think we're in a, like in a bear market, um, like I do, um, the investment thesis behind rune would be like, as long as the acceleration uh, or as long as the amount of liquidity in its pools um increases by by one third uh of the bear uh, like like of the progression of the bear market um the 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 deterministic price of rune is still going to rise um so that's just that's my two cents on 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 both the security scaling as well as the investment thesis during a, a bear market yeah, and, and obviously the, the rest of the assets uh, are sort of falling in value simultaneously m- most of the time because of the correlation in the market. So um, you, you don't have to have as much value in Rune when everything else drops, obviously. So that 
mitigate some of that. Right. The whole point of Rune as liquidity asset is to go with the, the general market to reduce impermanent loss. If you had a design, for example, like like chain flip, uh, where their pools are structured, where it's a half stable coin, half asset, uh, there's going to be impermanent loss on the way up and the way down. But if uh, you use a, a non-pegged asset like Rune, for example, uh, which is the reason why the Rune was created, uh, as Bitcoin goes down, Rune will also go down. As Bitcoin goes up, Rune will also go up, and it will make it so there is less impermanent loss that's experienced by uh, users in the LPs. Yeah, I, I guess an ideally large enough market or with sufficient amount of the actual um, pool being Bitcoin, I'm sorry, the, the TVL being Bitcoin as far as other things, you should have theoretically an increasing uh, correlation of rune pr runes price with Bitcoin's price, particularly as the market caps of the market cap of rune gets much much bigger, you should have increasing correlation. I would think um, as a result of that. Chad, um, so like I know you asked about the uh, the scalability of BTC and a security award or or, or block awards. Um, I, I'm I'm no expert on this topic, but uh, I think a great person to to to, to listen to. Um, is Dan Roberts. He's the CEO of Iris Energy. Um, that's the second biggest uh, Bitcoin mining company or publicly traded Bitcoin mining company behind, uh, or it, based, based on feature hash rate behind Marathon Digital, um, Marathon Digital Holdings. Um, he, 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 he's, he's extremely smart. He talks about it extremely transparently. Um, and one, one video in particular that I think might be an interest to you is uh, if you go on LinkedIn and you go on the Iris Energy LinkedIn page, um, they have, they've, got, they've got videos posted there. And there's just one video called Money Miners and something. It's like three M's. Um, and that talks about the, the, uh, it talks about the, um, the economic rewards or the economic incentives um, from the Bitcoin miners perspective. And that's, I think, really the, one of the most important uh, network participants in the in the Bitcoin network. Um, and and so, if like if you look, like if you listen to that, I think that'd be helpful. And um, from what I've learned from just listening to him is, I he it looks like once once mining rewards run out, um, Bitcoin is going to transition to, or Bitcoin miners are naturally just going to going to add transactions with the highest transaction fees or highest tips uh like onto the blocks similar to how eth is running today interesting yeah thank you i'll uh i'll check out that video um yeah i, I just feel like i've uh <laughs> with going so deep down the rabbit hole of all these new projects and thorchain and stuff it's like i i feel like my my bitcoin understanding is is rusty these days <laughs> but I'll, I'll i'll check that out it sounds sounds helpful I want to point out while we're on the space here, uh, Khan Gurel from Delphi Digital just posted their new report on Thorchain. Uh, it's pinned on the top. So definitely check it out. Delphi is one of the OG Thorchain supporters, and they've been uh, absolutely amazing to us in this space. So definitely sh show some love to the guys at Delphi because, uh, you know, there's, a, there's an awesome relationship going on between Delphi Digital and Thorchain. They've been a part of, our, a part of the Thorchain story for a long time now. So yeah, really, I haven't managed to read it yet, but I was looking at the tweet and it's really good. Uh, he's included a, 
uh, graph. And basically, he's measuring uh, transaction volume over uh, TVL uh, using different assets. And basically, the main point is that the Thor synths uh, are just off the charts, like completely off the charts in terms of capital efficiency. So basically, uh, for for every sort of million dollars in Thor Bitcoin, so the sort of synthetic over-the-top uh, Bitcoin on Thor chain, which you can redeem one for one uh, for native Bitcoin whenever you want to. For every $1 million of that on the network, it's been traded, I think, sorry, I, I should have checked, but approximately 10 times over per day. Uh, so sort of, or, or, or maybe it's per week, sorry, but, but it, it, it's simply off the charts. Um, and so in his graph, he has put Thor synths as one line and they're just way above everything. And then the next highest is Uni V3, which with its concentrated liquidity is really, it's the most capital efficient DEX. Um, and now Thorchain is like head and shoulders above everything else and is closing in on Uni V3. There is still a little gap. And actually, if you look at the the um, the axis, I mean, it's, it's not completely negligible. Uh, it, it looks quite small, but it's probably sort of five ten percent but um but it's really exciting to see that Thorchain is well synths have worked so well and it is just leaving every every other sort of rival for dust and closing in on on uniswap um in terms of this metric anyway and I think all of this is going to I mean it's going to improve as we add more chains uh because uh yeah sorry it, it will improve as we add more chains and also as we add thorfi um everything is going to improve volume uh yield i mean these are vertically integrated liquidity pools uh, so every sort of new vertical and every new chain that is added increases the yield in every pool um and they get deeper therefore because people are chasing the yield and slippage gets lower and so volume goes up because it's the best place to to do those transactions sorry i'm i'm going on but basically that uh, i've got to get hold of this uh, delphi article it looks really super positive yeah i've been kind of skimming through it right now one of the other big things that they talk about is uh, the revenue from Thorchain, it's so much higher than, uh, sorry, the revenue sources from Thorchain is much more sustainable and also higher than other DeFi protocols where it says, um, so the slip-based fees make up consistently over 15% of the total revenue generated from Thorchain, where other most other DeFi protocols are around 5% of their total revenue made from uh, transaction fees. So we have a, a huge lead there. And obviously that's not even to go into Smith, what you were just saying. Our Thorchain's vertically integrated stack is, just, is so amazing, especially with, you know, Thorfi on the way, everything integrated into the same economically secured base layer is going to be so important for the, the DeFi space. Because uh, this, this is the place where everything is, uh, is going to happen all on one layer in a completely decentralized way uh, with, economic security so uh this report's pretty awesome guys you should definitely check it out i'll definitely be checking it out. 
basically say, um, yeah, Chad uh, Barraford did an interview with OX uh, Nien, sorry if I'm pronouncing it wrong, before Christmas. And this is what he was talking about, really. And it was so simple. And he was saying, this is DeFi 3.0 in that um, it's sustainable. So it's vertically integrated. Our continuous liquidity pools uh, accrue sort of revenue from all of the different services. So at the moment, you have Unis, sorry, you have Ethereum, which is the base layer. So that accrues a lot of the value from everything on Ethereum. Then you have Uniswap, the DEX. Um, and so LPs get some yield from Uniswap, but just like really a little bit. And uh, Ethereum gets most of the, the value accrual. And then say Aave, uh, borrowing lending. So yeah, borrowers, uh, sorry, lenders get some uh, some rewards for the liquidity there, but it's pretty small. And what Chad was very simply explaining is that, well, first of all, we know that Thorchain is its own L1, you can call it an L0, but as an L1, it's not giving away sort of rents to Ethereum or to a different base layer. It accrues all the value, like Terra. Uh, Ter- Terra does the same. Um, and But also the liquidity pools, they are, the, uh, sorry, all, all of the value accrues to the liquidity pools from the DEX, from borrowing lending, from uh, whatever other verticals we integrate, including all the little peripheral things like Thor names and so on, everything associated with any particular asset, all of the funds go into that pool, and all of the all of that is turned into yield, which is distributed. Like it, it is, it's it's just uh, it, it, it's everything concentrated in these pools. And sorry to come back to Chad's point because it's quite a simple one. It's that there is nothing else in DeFi and crypto which has multiple organic, sustainable revenue streams like this. Um, And it's not a Ponzi sort of pool to token where uh, it's being funded by sort of uh, the issuing of another token and that's going to collapse at some point. It's literally coming from slip-based fees and from all of the other fees. Uh, so it's completely organic and it's just more capital efficient. And what he was saying is he just doesn't understand how <laughs> how this can't win uh, relative to its rivals. Certainly this model, this model cannot not win whether Thorchain wins or not i mean i think it will i hope it will it just depends on whether everyone's able to keep delivering uh, or or who knows whether completely out of the blue some sort of uh, someone comes along and is an effective challenger but like this model it has to win there is no scenario really where the winner is not an l1 with a vertically integrated stack operating multi-chain yeah, Smith. I think I think what you're uh, I think what you're mentioning about like ETH accruing uh, all uh, like all the value from Uniswap and Aave, um, and, and 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 the transactions that are happening on it. Uh, I think that's the it's it's I think that's relating to the, the, the like the fat protocol thesis, um, and it like that rang rang true for a lot of blockchains. But if like if if that rang true and and if the the base layer accrued all the value from the protocols being being built on top of it. Like, can you even can you even imagine how much value is going to be accrued by the protocol or the, the the blockchain that's able to control other blockchains 
in a promotionless and censorship resistant manner. It's um it's a little like scary to to even think about. It's exciting nonetheless. Yeah, it, it's really truly. Um, I mean, if you think it through, if this uh, succeeds. And things like Thorsynth, just the delivery there make me think that, that actually it really can succeed because exactly what we were told would happen has happened. But yeah, if you really think it through, um, there have been very few effective value accrual mechanisms uh, in the history of crypto. Bitcoin stands alone. It's the first mover. Ethereum Basically, everyone is Ethereum or copying Ethereum. Ethereum, it's the FAT protocol thesis, like you say, and everything else is apps running on top of the FAT protocols. Um, I think Terra uh, probably, I'm sure there are others, but Terra really is the the only sort of next generation one that I can see where it is its own L1 and it has this innovative kind of burn-to-mint value accrual mechanism as well but really apart from that the whole space um is l1s which do accrue value in proportion to how adopted they are and then an absolute pile of dapps which honestly if you really scratch below the surface and this is what degen spartan is completely ruthless about if you follow his tweets about the entire ethereum defi ecosystem it's just like yeah good technology but the the tokens i mean it, it it just doesn't make that much sense and yeah so if you really follow it through and you understand the scale of the use case combined with um the value accrual of the token combined with the design of this kind of vertically integrated stack and vertically integrated continuous liquidity pools that's why people who have been sort of doing it for a long time, talking about it, learning about it, basically really see this as kind of top five. As long as it succeeds, it's really top five. And it's the only one that uh, logically, okay, sorry, Terra, um, who knows how big uh, stable coins can be if they are sort of adopted as uh, and accepted worldwide um but but thorchain is the only other one that i can really see kind of climbing the summit as in sort of being up there with ethereum and bitcoin vitalik said two years ago in an interview and i can't find the the quote uh, it, it was on twitter a couple of years ago and i can't find it. he said any pr- protocol that sort of solved the problem of uh, multi-chain um, would be orders of magnitude bigger than today's protocols, uh, by which he meant Ethereum and Bitcoin, and so potentially, yeah, that that that's where that's where this can end up, isn't it? Yeah, the, I think the realization is there's there are only so many ways to uh, number one. There's only so many things you can do with money. <laughs> so if it's a financial protocol, there's only so many ways to skin that cat. The second thing is, you know, the um, number of ways you can uh, generate value with a network um, that's purely related to, say, financial transactions or um, whatnot can you know there's only so many value capture mechanisms available, like you said, and and though that list is becoming you know exceedingly short. Um, so, like for example, Thorchain provides a very very specific service 
um, and it tries to do it very well. Um, like you said, Terra has a very specific service in the production of a stablecoin, and it creates a literal like internet native good, right? Uh, NFTs maybe have some of these properties in that um, you know they're even if it's just simply art, you are basically uh, you know quantifying that and creating a distribution mechanism where there's an artist behind it and something's actually being sold and something's being bought that has value. Um, so yeah, these, the, the, there's only so many ways you can generate revenue essentially. And, um, ultimately what will happen is, is that, uh, I think there'll be a marrying of, um, uh, crypto and the machine learning AI space. And that pretty much is the, the, the end game in my view. Um, cause like really once the power of thought is connected to the power of, um, a crypto capital efficiency then you're literally paying for thoughts. And that's, that's pretty much where, where it ends uh, as far as like cognitive creatures. There is no greater like end goal or whatever that uh, can be theoretically achieved. Um, and that's just kind of the story of life at some level too. <laughs> it's kind of like that's how the human brain was created just to some extent. It's like uh, efficiency of, of energy, efficiency of inf information transfer, and then you know the, the creation of uh, special organized uh, capabilities such as civilization that results from that sentience. And ultimately, I, I think that's where crypto goes. I think, uh, like you said, the, so right now, it's like the, the limited number of possible ways to, to connect things, derive value from things. Um, we are, I think 2022, 2023 is really going to be the, the couple of years where um, the most important uh, utilities that crypto can provide are now being recognized. And, uh, like I've been saying this for a while now, like the flight to quality has already begun. Um, if something can do something, uh, that people need and people foresee needing into the next five to 10 years, at least, then it will succeed. Whereas if it's just a copycat, like say, for example, like what specifically are you going to do with like Litecoin that you can't already do with Bitcoin, right? Or what are you going to do with, you know, any number of various uh, uh, cryptos? Why would all of these get the same level of network effects of all the others? It's just unlikely. It's just not the, the, the course of human technology just suggests that we usually lead to like duopolies and triopolies at the very best. So um, in the plumbing space, which is sort of where I think Thorchain lies to some extent, um, connecting the various blockchains um, in a slightly different way than say like IBC does, um, you know, could prove to be very, uh, like could prove to be a very strong growth mechanism over time. And I'm super interested in how synthetics and how uh, Thorify and such are all going to work together to sort of create interesting uh, products for people that like Bitcoin, right? Like ultimately you have Bitcoin, you want to be able to do cool shit with it. You want to be able to borrow off it. You want to be able to go like uh, get some UST and spend it on a hamburger. Uh, what I don't really see is like why I would want to spend my Bitcoin at McDonald's. Um, it just sounds stupid. Like I have no, like, I have no interest in like spending my Bitcoin at McDonald's. Like it just makes like I know that they're they're worrying about getting Lightning Network connected to all sorts of shit. But like I don't know. I I guess if you're an OG and you want other people to buy Bitcoin and use it at McDonald's, I suppose it makes sense. Uh, as an investment thesis, why I'd want to 
like hold my Bitcoin so I can then later buy a Big Mac with it. I just don't see it. I don't know. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I think so. that's big, one of the biggest... I think that's one of the biggest like narratives emerging over the last couple of years is kind of like the difference between money and currency. And like we thought way back that that Bitcoin would be money. And now we see that, no, Bitcoin is more like gold and we need money. <laughs> we need like something like UST or like this is exactly what like Ohm uh, set out trying to do as well. Um, or something like something like silk, you know, like these semi-stable spendable assets that are not programmed to 100x, 1000x, 10,000x or whatever, because who wants to spend any of those? Um, that's I think it's one of the most compelling narratives right now, which is exactly why so many of us are excited about things like Luna and other stuff in that space is it's solving the problem of spendable, like, quote unquote, cryptocurrency, like actual cryptocurrency, instead of just these like crypto assets that are something you never want to spend or move or anything. Um, one other thought, just real quick. I, you know, I did I did find that it was uh, the lack of uh, cohesion with the way the the Bitcoin conference went regarding like the potential for building a utility for BTC where you can jump on uh, on Thorchain to get to something like UST. Um, like I, I'm still not understanding the fantasy land that most of the um, uh, people in Bitcoin are still at, where they believe that like maybe one day in the you know infinite future that you know, yeah, you're going to be spending BTC for everything. And it's just like one BTC equals one BTC. Um, like the thing was just never invented for this. This is not how it was designed. It's not how it was like built to be used. None of that. Like it's the, like uh, it has, yes, a basic peer to peer cash function, but realistically it was never actually designed to, to realize that goal on its own. It just, there was never a situation where 10 billion people were going to transact on this thing. It ain't going to happen like there's, you know, and, and it's certainly not without Lightning Network and other super secondary networks. But once you're on secondary networks, well, you know, you're already adding additional security risks, additional layers. You might as well have those networks be become any computer networks at that point. It has no relationship to. Like, you know, so the, 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 the Bitcoin conference always seems like just a big like fantasy circle jerk to me, which is why I don't like go to that. It just you don't seem to have like enough people that um, uh, sort of even understand what the hell is going on there. Maybe it's just, maybe that's all it is. Maybe it's just for the fans or whatever. And everyone's just like, uh, hooray. But like, I, I would have thought like, uh, you know, uh, Chad would have had uh, a very strong reception at, at a conference where you're basically trying to build applications that will make Bitcoin more useful. And um, I, I just thought the entire thing was just a fucking embarrassment. I just, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a small, I think there's a minority, but a very loud minority that uh, has bought into the, the has drank maybe a little bit too much of the Kool-Aid starting to feel the effects of it maybe. Because uh, I, like, I think that a lot that, maybe even a majority of people at the Bitcoin conference don't only hold Bitcoin. And for a fact, they have US dollars to do things in their everyday life. And I, I, I would, if I had to bet, I would bet on the side that more than 50% of people that attend the Bitcoin conference own at least Ethereum and are cu curious about other things. And I think that 
anyone that can come to the conclusion that Bitcoin is like the best thing in the world or whatever, uh, part of that reasoning has to be the decentralization of Bitcoin. That's really the only way you can rationally say that Bitcoin is an important economic asset. And I think... But, it's, but, but, don't you, but don't you feel like it's kind of weird? Like there's nothing particularly Bitcoin native about Lightning Network. Right? It wasn't in the original uh, paper and all that. So if you were like an ultra purist and you're open to the idea of Lightning Network, there's no obvious reason why you wouldn't be open to the idea of ThorChain or anything else. It just doesn't make any oh, sense. Yeah. Like the, I've, the, I've the lack of cohesiveness. <laughs> yeah, the lack of cohesiveness well, with that kind of like philosophy at the conference like, still is mind boggling to me. But anyway. The real irony, in my opinion, personally, sorry. Yeah. The real irony, in my opinion, is that like, uh, not only are they kind of like not open to other pro- protocols and stuff, but they they are open to centralized bullshit <laughs> as long as it is Bitcoin only, and that's like the real hilarious irony of it, right? Is um, you know, because of the way Bitcoin works, like you can only do so many things, so then you end up going towards all these centralized custodial companies that will you know do whatever with your bitcoin and, and whatnot and there's, a, and, there's also this and they're idea in full that, support of that <laughs> yeah there's also this idea that you can use bitcoin but only if you use it the way i want you to use it right like it's not like you can't you can't use it on thorchain that'd be bad you can't use it to um you know uh uh i don't know uh buy uh ust that would be bad um you know it just the entire concept is ludicrous considering that like the number one trading pair besides uh, Tether for transactions of all the other um, uh, cryptos out there is basically Bitcoin right now. That's where a lot of the liquidity comes into BTC actually to some extent. And the the entire thing just seems like just a, I don't know, there's just a kind of a mess of nonsense amongst the ultra purists. That so doesn't I, make I any think sense. with, uh, with Lightning Network specific, sorry, I, we'll get to uh, Kura and Windsor in just, uh, just in a second. Um, yeah, I just want to make the, this point that uh, I think it's a lot of it is just branding and the fact that Lightning Network has this really strong support from within the Bitcoin community. And it, maybe it seems strange and it seems like we're trying to pump a shit coin to a, to a Bitcoiner. You say like, oh, yeah, and all, all it takes is, you know, the rune token. But, like you know, the, the ears are shut off after that. But I think there's a huge opportunity for ThorChain to partner with the Lightning Network. Because uh, I think the Lightning Network and ThorChain uh, are, are both trying to accomplish the same thing as in, as in making Bitcoin more usable and better and more interoperable with uh, other financial assets. So I think, I think there's huge potential for the Lightning Network to partner with ThorChain. And you know, this is something I want to try and work on personally, because I think that the Lightning Network is a huge branding success because nobody realizes <laughs> that it's, uh, well, it is a, de- a semi decentralized network. I don't know all the specifics of how it runs either, but uh, I think that the Lightning Network would be made much stronger by being able to uh, interact with, with ThorChain to do transactions, to do swaps. And uh, I, th- like, I, I think I see a huge partnership between Thorchain and the Lightning Network. Not that any of this has ever been discussed with with them at all, if they even know about us. But uh, you know, that's kind of where my brain's at on how the Lightning Network and Thorchain could work together to improve Bitcoin fundamentally. Because there's only so much you could do with the base at the base layer. 
but there's so much going on on these uh, layer two solutions that I think we could play a really big part of, especially considering, you know, we have this fully integrated vertical stack that uh, Lending Network can tap into. They just announced that they were, uh, they raised $70 million to fund a stable coin on Bitcoin. That's possible on ThorChain today. <laughs> like you write the PR and we can, we can release this feature in, uh, in two days, you know? Uh, so, but it, like it, it, the, the way I look at it is this, if you're going out to buy, uh, you know, a Big Mac or a, a Starbucks or whatever, and you're happy with the price of BTC at that moment, right? Then conceptually, you could spend your BTC at that moment, which essentially constitutes a sale of your Bitcoin, right? Because you're selling high, theoretically. It's a short. Yeah, or short, yeah. And uh, you sell your Bitcoin, and you could um, go and get yourself your, your Big Mac, right? But... Um, Alternatively, let's say um, the price of Bitcoin is not where you like it, then technically you should be able to instantaneously um, convert that into a loan. And you can basically convert it to, say, uh, UST. And then, you know, that pays for your Big Mac. And now you still have your Bitcoin, uh, you know. So if this is happening in a dynamic way, it does create an increased immediate utility for your Bitcoin. Um, you know, whether you whether you like it or not, because the bigger a person's assets um, in BTC get, like if you really want to be unbanked and, you know, a lot of hardcore Bitcoin people want to have most of their value in BTC, not in their bank account, then you've got to have a fairly immediate way to use this. And then, yeah, there's Celsius and BlockFi and all sorts of other interesting, um, you know, centralized entities. But uh, to do this in some sort of like quick, um, high speed um uh, way where you get all the way to your like UST based debit card while getting all this other shit done in the background um, makes sense to me. Like it's how you should, you would want to use an asset like um, BTC, I would think that has like long-term a store of value proposition and short-term may not be the best thing to sell. On the flip side, you're the business accepting, right? Um, a business might want to accept BTC but they might not want to. They might want to accept uh, UST at that time, depending on, like, you know, they got to go pay their bills. They don't have the luxury of taking BTC from you at the top, right? Like, so BTC is at $70,000 and, and a, Bitcoin, a business just, um, you know, picked up your Bitcoin and it has to go pay its bills, you know, a month from now, like when their bills come due. And uh, BTC's value is lower. So now, what, they're going to charge you more for the Big Mac so that they can buffer in the cost of, like, BTC's price going down? No, this doesn't make any sense. Like, as a business, you can't just be accepting Bitcoin if you have, like, cash flow needs that are month-to-month -month basis. Like, it just, like, you know, if you own a business, you would know this as opposed to just being, like, a cyberpunk or something. Um, <laughs> so this is kind of the theory. Like, you, you have to have something that works for the consumer and for the um, business. And um, uh, to, to a significant extent, that's what I think uh, drew me to find that, you know, ThorChain would be interesting is because like, that's how you marry these two problems together, the business and the consumer being able to sort of like use their money appropriately. I don't know, that's, that's my theory. Uh, I think Karamo was waiting though, <laughs> uh, step down. Hey everyone, uh, hope everyone's having a good night or morning wherever you are so um what i wanted to say is basically um if you believe in 
BTC uh, and decentralization, you believe in USD. And if you believe in BTC, you should believe in Luna anyway. I think one of the main reasons uh, why I've been uh, so uh, uh, open to listen to these conversations was uh, to make sure that they have valid points uh, when they were, you know, uh, talking about it. And uh, most points were valid, uh, uh, but some of it is since the start of uh, Luna, and uh, I've been literally watching every other video and interview of Dol Kwan. The only thing he keeps on saying and he keeps on repeating himself and repeating the same thing. We at TFL, we only have one product and that product is UST. Uh, and I think one of the main reasons some of the VTC uh, communities uh, angry about the whole thing is because, well, I mean, it would be amazing if they actually came up with something like that, uh, a decentralized uh, uh, coin uh with uh something like ust backed by btc would have solved most of their problems uh for adoption for other things as well so um but overall uh, i think the btc community kind of uh, accepted it and uh, there's actually positive feedback from it uh, but at the, t- uh, at the same time uh, i don't think we get the same kind of uh feedback from the Ethereum community is more fuddish, it's more uh, just waiting and praying on failure rather than just trying to see what they can do to help the Luna and Terracus. So yeah, just that's what I want to say. Uh, Winter? Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I think the problem is you get these Bitcoin people and it's like religion. There's only one God, there's only one money. Bitcoin is the one money. You don't need anything else. Everything else is, you know, inflationary, false money. All you need is Bitcoin. When the world accepts that fact, that it, you don't need anything else. That's their thesis. I'm not saying that that is sane. I'm just saying that's their thesis. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're, they're religious, stuck in the past. I mean, th- that line to Chad Barraford was that like, it's an 100% pre-mined shitcoin. What was the... Was the uh, that was the insult or whatever you'd say, right? And it's just... It's just years outdated in a sense, uh, right? It's like what? So, like, it, he's basically implying that anything that's even not um, not proof of work is just—I don't know. It's just—it's just so far gone. Smith, you had your hand up. Hey, yeah, sorry, I thought I put my hand up because I was uh, talking too much at one point. Um, but uh, yeah, I just wanted to come back to <laughs> the point about um, we were talking about value capture a lot. Um, and yeah, trying to communicate with uh, sort of the Bitcoin community um, and maybe other communities as well. And I think it's kind of a tricky one, isn't it? Because you to excite your your community, you do talk about value cap and tokenomics and so on. Partly because in the case of Thorchain and Rune, they're just so off the charts, uh, at least if everything comes together and it's slowly, it does seem to be coming together. Um, but basically you sound, you actually start to sound like an L1 maximalist. Uh, Smith, you, you, you just cut out. Uh, I don't know. I don't speak your speaker. Oh, okay. sorry. Can you hear me? Yeah, you're good. Can you hear me now? 
sorry about that, guys. Um, I think I might have um, put my hand over a part of uh, part of my phone or something. Sorry, what I was saying was that we talk about the value accrual and value capture of um, Thorchain and Rune, um, but by doing that, we start to sound like um, another l1 project uh where we want we want our project to sort of rule everything and for for it to be one token to rule them all um and while all all of that is sort of true the the stuff about the value capture and it being an l1 it's actually a very different type of l1 isn't it it's it's a layer zero which enables all of this uh these native swaps and all of the DeFi built on top of it to take place um between different L1 tokens. Um, and actually, uh, a lot of the value, so, so the token captures a lot of value, but actually a lot of the value that the protocol is capturing is being redistributed in the form of yield to LPs. Um, and LPs are by definition, not just holding the rune token, they're they're holding fifty percent of the other asset, um, and also nodes are actually running nodes on all of the different L ones as well. So, yeah. So sorry, I'm I, I, I'm not sure where it's it's going, but just in terms of how we frame that whole sort of discussion about value capture and so on, I think like there is a serious point there that we need to um we need to kind of convey that it's 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 not maximalist in the way that some other l1s are it doesn't rely on everyone else's l1 migrating all of their activity to ours it's more of a kind of in between sort of protocol that links things up and it redistributes uh, basically all of the yield is redistributed to LPs um, from those networks as well who are using it and and nodes as well. So um, yeah, that's all. Yeah, that's yeah, that's maybe the most beautiful thing about Thorchain, right? It's that it's not like like this is why maximalism happens is because it's seen as like zero sum. It's like oh, Ethereum versus Bitcoin. Ethereum is going to siphon liquidity away from uh, from from Bitcoin, or Terra is going to siphon it away from. Uh, from Ethereum or, or fuck you, Solana, like go to hell, like Terra's going to be number one. Right. Whereas um, like the, the, the Thor chain bet is you're just betting on the entire thing in a sense. Cause, cause you're right. Like there's these non-rune assets in there. So it's like it, built in is the appreciation in a sense for the other assets and it, it rune actually needs all the other assets to to succeed for it to succeed like if there if rune was the only chain then rune would be useless and worthless right like the the whole thesis is the multi-chain thesis that there are multiple chains with with real value um happening and, and thorchain brings it together in a non-competitive value add mutually beneficial way with value capture on top of that i also wanted uh, just on that value capture point i i pinned the th a thread when we were talking about that from thorchain bull um this is like the strongest recommendation i could ever give to anyone like you have to read this thread like bookmark it retweet it like print it out and put it on your wall or something like <laughs> this thread is unbelievable. And it, it explains exactly what we were talking about, which is just like 
the absolutely bonkers value capture of Thorchain and how all of these things we've been talking about, like every single one of them is designed to basically pump the rune price and to have rune capture the value of that new addition to the network. And it talks about Chad, um, you're, you're allowed to buy, um, you're, you're allowed to buy a big Mac with Bitcoin and you'll be cheered. But if you buy room with your Bitcoin, you're a heretic. So just (laughs) keep that in mind. Like if you go to Solana to go buy some NFTs, then you're a fucking dick. Okay. That's what it means. <laughs> and if you, so, but you could go to, you know, take, you spend your, uh, you know, get a number five value meal and you're all good. If you do anything yeah. with Bitcoin other than buy Bitcoin from Brian Armstrong, then you're just an asshole. That's exactly right. <laughs> you can't, you can't sell it. All you can do is just give Brian Armstrong money. Yeah. 100%. Don't go buy a computer with your Bitcoin because that would imply that you are like buy into another network that like Apple or Microsoft have created. And therefore that's also heresy. So you like, you can't buy anything with Bitcoin except to hold your Bitcoin because otherwise you've, you probably committed some sin somewhere. Also, I just wanted to say um, if, if you're a Bitcoin maximalist and you want to burn some of your fiat, uh, you can give it to me and I'll burn it for you. From <laughs> <Karama laughs> volunteers to to have a fiat incinerator, yeah. So that is such a noble, uh, selfless offer. It's <laughs> actually a good point. It, shouldn't shouldn't um, Bitcoin maximalists be buying shit coins to get rid of their uh, useless fiat for other useless assets? Uh, just Bitcoin that makes sense. <laughs> Um, I mean, I would just say that I, I know someone who I would consider to be a Bitcoin maximalist who's there from the very early days. Um, and I talked to him about Thorchain and he absolutely loved it and bought lots of it. I think, um, like, what do we mean by Bitcoin maximalists? I think the people who are on the stage at Bitcoin Miami um a lot of them are kind of headbangers, aren't they? It's a tribe. And after many years, like tribes end up having the sort of loudest leaders. It's a kind of network effect, isn't it? And um, to, to be honest, I don't think we're going after the 1% kind of of the most strident, like vocal. You know, I, I kind of look at the tech community as like basically, a, in theory, a science community. Um, if you're talking about like having a conference about it, right? If I, if I were to go to a medical conference and, you know, people were cheerleading the idea that, like, the only good medicine is lung medicine and, you know, orthopedic people are morons, like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, there's just no rationality behind that. Like, there's no thesis. There's no, like, you, you don't have a, a logo that identifies you as, like, the, the, the this community that just hates everyone else. It just doesn't make any sense. So generally science communities don't think like this um why that is the case in the um like computer tribal communities um maybe because there's a strong incentive goal to sort of pump your own bags i suppose maybe that's the primary reason but uh that it's got to be the only real reason you know like smith said something interesting uh <laughs> to me which was the, it was the fact that uh this guy that you were talking about is a bitcoin maximalist that like thorchain he was very early to Bitcoin. And to me, that speaks to the fact that he sees, like he saw Bitcoin before like the 
huge gains, big prices, and sees it more towards the fundamentals of what what drives value and w- which would be in Bitcoin's case, uh, you know, decentralization and scarcity. And you can apply those same concepts towards what drives value to ThorChain, which is also its decentralization, its, you know, uh, vertical integration of of everything uh like it, it, i think it's very clear to people especially like even like eric Voorhees, like the absolute legend bitcoin og uh you know is it one of the, the biggest advocates for Thorchain? and i think that speaks more to the fact that they can really analyze what it, it what's a, what's a value accrual what's actually a value add rather than just saying like oh you know like i make more money bitcoin goes up uh so i'm gonna be a bitcoin guy instead so good on your front yeah, that's a great point. Like the thing that really makes people maxis is when they when they get rich, right? I mean, <laughs> you're you're even seeing it with 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 lunatics to to some extent, even even right now, right? It's like Luna went on this big run, and suddenly some small subset of of lunatic lunatics think that this is the only thing that matters. Same thing happened with Bitcoin first, then happened with Ethereum. Like you, you'll just see it time and time again. And and yeah, I think what you're saying is is like a great point. Like just the uh, and, and, like, chat, and chat, it could be because like some of those bags are so big. Like when you see when you see huge amounts of money uh, in terms of dollar value rising and falling, um, I, I think that changes the way people think and behave. It just has to, right? So there's there's a psychological impact in in watching that, and it uh, it generates some sort of like uh, un, unconscious or subconscious behavior that has to happen as a result of watching that's why like they say stock traders are like some of the most um you know uh stressful jobs and you see a real high suicide rate right in those kinds of jobs because it does affect people psychologically and there's a there's a mental element to this (laughs) yeah i was just gonna say there's there's such an interesting psychological aspect too like even on the upside is like once you're right, then you think you're a genius. So then you're like even more married to that bag, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> it's like a good point. Yeah. We'll see the same thing happen with, with, with Rune. You know, if, if Rune hundred X is from here, then like there will probably be some like like some of us might feel like, oh shit, like we were we're so smart, like we were right, we were ahead, like you know, we're, we clearly we know what's going on. <laughs> like, but I think I, I think we'll have a more open minded perspective. But but the other thing I wanted to mention is just like on, on familiar cow's point was um you know i think this is i think like the early bitcoin thing is so uh linked to the thorchain ethos and like rumor on the street has always been that like a lot of the core team like like they're bitcoin ogs like that's kind of what gave birth to this whole project and idea and philosophy and um you know i mean obviously like they're mostly anon and like who, who who really knows but like at least at least the stories say like you know it's very much not about the money it's it's about like you know they they are, they've already had plenty of bitcoin you know before before thorchain and i think that really does speak volumes and show that like thorchain is kind of just this like masterpiece uh, of value capture while really like just providing a public service to all of crypto like it's Smith always makes this analogy of like it being like the Sistine Chapel of of crypto, which is just like simultaneously hilarious and also like so accurate. But sometimes like, like I just find myself spending hours a day thinking about Thorchain and sometimes I just like can't even believe like the foreshadowing that has occurred with Thorchain. Like it's, it's 
shocking and it really reminds me of like like satoshi and bitcoin and just like 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 the allure of that story of just like this anonymous creator that just like you know 14 years ago put this thing out into the world that rings so loud and true today you you see a similar you see the similar concept when when a great uh video game is created too like you know the the really long-standing franchises the like the you know the ones that people play a really really long time the the ones that like are they're sort of interesting and addictive no matter how long you see them it there's a math to that and it requires it's like an interplay of like the the math and human behavior and and somewhere in the mix of those incentives this kind of like you get these magical economic models that uh that achieve everyone's goals and and it's it's a very difficult thing to uh uh, put together and quantify, you know, but it's, it's kind of cool. It's magical when it actually happens. Like it's almost like an, uh, art artwork in action sort of, right? Like if you think about it, like Bitcoin technically is the most, um, uh, it is actually the highest value piece of artwork ever created, right? More so than the Mona Lisa, more so than any physical art ever created. It has the highest value for essentially what ostensibly is just simply a piece of art, uh, ever, right? Period. There is no no specific thing that has that kind of value capture so far, um, and that's that's the magic of it. So people see the art in that. There's a it speaks to their soul to the point where they, there's like a religion around it, right? So there there is a um, you know when when you solve a problem like the Byzantine generals problem, and uh, it can only be done after computers were invented, and it, it could not have occurred prior to that. It's just there's this like. Yeah, the Sistine Chapel um, um, analogy is uh, is apt, but really, I would say that there is no one piece of art on this planet with a uh, with a higher actual value attached to it than BTC, which is essentially a series of numbers if you think about it in your wallet, right? So, <laughs> so the p- human beings will assign you know a series of numbers and letters. Uh, uh, that kind of money uh, tells you something. It's fascinating stuff. The Sistine Chapel, Satoshi. The Mona Lisa and Grand Theft Auto Three. I'll take that. GTA the, Three. The precursors of the precursors <laughs> of Thorchain. Diablo Three. Or... <laughs> it's funny. Wow, Chad. Uh, the one thing I, I uh, one thing that you said, which is uh, kind of interesting, was uh, you know as people have huge gains, they really get that conviction. Think like, oh, that. You know, we, there's no way that we could possibly be wrong. I, I think it's kind of funny because I know you and I joined the community around the same time, probably a year ago, just before the multi-chain chaos net launch, which was uh, which will be a year uh, this week. Actually, it will be the one year anniversary of multi-chain chaos net. So happy birthday to Thorchain. Um That's crazy achievement. But, uh, you know, we both joined right before multi-chain chaos net. And, you know, r- that's when Rune hit its, uh, hit its all-time highs. And, you know, we're here. We, we do, we, like, literally all we're doing is what we, we want to work on Thorchain because uh, we believe in it, not because we, we bought it at, you know, uh, a penny four years ago. And we're, we have, we're sitting on gigantic bags right now. We're, we're trying to we're trying to make sure that we have enough exit liquidity. Like, like we just believe in this project because we know how massive this is for the entire crypto space and what kind of disruption innovation this is. So, uh, you know, we're, we're here because we're, we actually are convinced rather than we're, we're, we're held hostage by our bags. Yeah. That's a 
amazingly important point. I'm glad you, you highlighted that, but it's so true. I mean, I don't even know my average entry, but it was probably somewhere around the current price. <laughs> and and I've just become more and more convicted, more and more excited, even though I've had other bags, you know, like, like take Luna, for example, like 20 X, you know, and I'm, I still have conviction in Luna. I still really like it, but my, like, like my Thor chain obsession has just, it, it, it's an obsession. <laughs> like it's definitely, yeah, uh, I feel you. It just goes so much deeper. And and even though I like investment wise in terms of like, you know, money in the bank, crypto in my wallet, it it has not uh, you know, it has not been the case whatsoever. Yet um I just still that, that that's also why I'm so excited about it, is like I just see this as like, you know, a top five, top three project and it's just one of the most important crypto projects to ever be created. And just feels like nobody's getting it yet so it, it's like it, it, i feel like we're like screaming about this thing that like people just haven't opened their eyes about yet you know it's like and we're also like the risk reward changes over time right like because if you were screaming about luna when it was like you know uh 75 cents or whatever like that, that was like screaming about bitcoin when it was 50 dollars, right like both of those were completely uncertain and like you could imagine the vision but there was really no certainty of like what was going to play out at those times. Like the risk uh, of success on the, at those early times is like, it's not obvious. Right. And that's why there's huge upside because it's not obvious. Whereas like where Luna and UST is right now, it's like, Oh yeah, it's working. Like it's kind of proving itself. And to me, it feels like Thorchain is already like at that point too. Yet like the market has not realized it. Like to me, it feels like Rune should just already be like, 50 bucks or whatever and i would still be screaming about it and still be just as excited about it it just feels like we haven't even caught up to that like starting point it's crazy yeah uh, i do want to get get wrapped up here so let's just have some final thoughts from everyone that's up on stage but thanks for coming out everybody you can talk to you oh no i was just i was saying top three or just fun and then i I also want to relate to what you guys were saying earlier about um it doesn't really matter about your bag as much as matters about your your belief and conviction of the project and the value that value that it delivers like i like I, <laughs> I, I can't relate to that more that's all i'm gonna say yeah absolutely i mean my last thoughts were probably like i would say that's my closing thoughts but yeah if anyone else wants to add any last points i, I would say that like the though the value of um the project's core coin going up uh is important you know as as an investor in the sense that like um if that were not the case it's going to be hard to have new investors right so like it's got to have a value capture mechanism there's no need to like um you know undercut that like there's nothing about bitcoin that doesn't do the same thing it's like it's geared to add value to the holder over time and i think that is an important feature there's nothing wrong with it there's nothing wrong with it if you need it for that like i don't think uh one should be embarrassed in saying hey i need to make you know, my crypto go up, it's fine. Um, but at the same time, it's like the, the, the long range, you know, vision for that to occur has to be there. And ultimately, um, if you, the holder of the primary token of your network, whether it's um, a Luna or a Rune or Avalanche or whatever it is, uh, uh, if, you know, you would hope that in the land of DeFi, that you get some additional benefits than just holding it, right? Like the ability to borrow off of an asset is one of the most useful features of DeFi. 
and um, you know that that's like power in your hands that's that's instantaneous and that shouldn't be understated. Um, you know the fact that I can go buy just about anything I want by borrowing off of some of my assets at any given moment without having to kind of rush and ask a bank is extraordinarily powerful. So you know building a product and building a coin, a token that ultimately um, does build value for the investor without having to file with the SEC or some shit, right? Like it's like natively is useful and therefore it's not some, you know, uh, you know, it's not some stupid thing with a rug pull. Um, all of those kind of elements that provide value to the user that that coin can ultimately has utility for that user in the future is important. I think there's nothing wrong with that. Anyway. Absolutely. Yeah. I definitely didn't mean to make, I don't know if I made it sound like it's not important. Like I, uh, I mean, I value capture is absolutely number one. Again, shout out to that thread. I have pinned, everyone should read it kind of explains just how Terra and Thorchain like specifically have this Sistine chapel of value capture. Right. And how every like, like the, the product is directly linked to the value capture of its own L1. And it's just like mind blowing, but I yeah, absolutely like, want the room like price example, to go up. But. Example would be like, example would be like, like, let's say I have my uh, rune coin and later, um, you know, more DeFi products are available on uh, Thorchain ThorFi. And I decide I want to pay for my second kid's, you know, college by borrowing off my Thor, which is now like, I mean, on my rune, which is now like mooned out over the period of years. Um, I, I feel like that's a, a powerful capability, right? Like it's, you don't have to be greedy necessarily to want your bags to go up. There's nothing like it's, it's 100%. Yeah. Because like you, you the only way that um, you, you bring in more users and bring people to risk their money to essentially provide capital to secure the network um, is ultimately to have a value capture mechanism that works, and then eventually to have that value capture mechanism provide utility for a person that provides yeah. real world benefit. Right? It can't just be like, well, we just sort of have a dream, and I'm hoping that millions of pe- people bring millions of dollars into this project. Yeah. <laughs> it's got to be a legit, um, functionally has to be a legit uh, utility for that person and a and a store of value. And that's so, such a crazy part about Rune is that the the Rune price going up is actually like beneficial in a way outside of just that the holders make money or whatever. Like the Rune price going up increases the security of the network, allows more liquidity, allows better swaps. Like it allows the whole thing to scale. So there's actually like a relatively like unselfish, you could say, reason for wanting the Rune price to go up. Like the the incentives are aligned on on just every level. So it's just it's just crazy. Could I cut in with something, guys, that I think brings all of this together a little bit? In a way, it's another sort of detail of the Sistine Chapel. But I've been working on a thread. Um, I said I was doing it last week. And uh, part of it's about value capture, but it's about everything we've been talking about, really, and vertical integration. And basically, um, I think we need to kind of um, unbundle a little bit the the two two different types of value capture. Um, so there are two things, and one is the token. And uh, like CeFi was saying, it's kind of a masterpiece, um, like everyone's saying, to have a natively useful token that secures the network and that accrues value because it's the base asset in every pair and the nodes have to bond twice as much. So as liquidity scales the token, 
is worth 3x the non-native CDL. Um, I mean, it's, uh, it's just a masterstroke. But part of the reason it is such a masterstroke, and I'm not sure anyone has quite put a piece this together. Sorry, uh, maybe this is me. Your hands are not like But part of the reason it's a goddamn masterpiece is because um, it's radically separate from the income to the protocol from 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 the yield which is separate so all of the all of the 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 sorry all of the slip based fees all of the uh, funds that are collected into the continuous liquidity pools by borrowing and lending by thor names uh, by rune being used like for gas by literally everything that brings money into those pools uh, all of that income uh, goes to the nodes and to the LPs. Sorry, I think there's a tiny bit of it that may accrue to the treasury or something, but it's pretty small. I think it probably ought to be bigger. Um, but basically, if you look at DEXs like Uniswap, uh, actually, no, I'm, I'm not so sure about Uniswap. It doesn't do buybacks. But if you look at Woo Network, for example, they all boast about how they spend 25% or sometimes. Ah, shoot, I think he got rugged. Smith, <laughs> you let me invite you back up. Does this phone die? I don't know. It's it, I still see him as a listener, but Twitter, Twitter Spaces is. We need we need to get Chad Bearford to just recode uh, Twitter Spaces in his spare time. <laughs> I'm sure he could fix this shit in like five minutes. All right, well, I guess if Smith's not going to come up, then we can wrap there. But uh, yeah, that was a that was a great space, guys. And let me just wrap up by saying that uh you know what's coming to what's coming to thorchain um every single every single week every single day uh everything just gets bigger and better uh we're working on dex integrations we're working on aggregators and everything all goes towards the value capture of rune so uh you know the nine realms team and the core team is working really hard on making Thorchain the best thing that it can be. And this year, uh, things are looking really awesome. That includes like uh, centralized exchanges with native rune. Uh, things are things are looking better than ever. And every day just gets a little bit better. So thanks everyone for coming out to these. We do these every Monday and we have developer updates every Friday on the main Thorchain account. Yeah, it's, uh, it's early. It's still super early and so much is coming. Uh, V2 Thor swap any day now. That's that's exciting. But yeah, so much stuff. Uh, so much stuff in the future. It's like it, everything we just talked about. Value capture. It's just it's just day zero. Like even even when we go to mainnet, like that's just going to be the start of chapter one. It's going to be it's going to be mind mind melting for sure. But yeah, uh, great conversation. Uh, thanks, Sefi, for coming in. Thanks everyone for all the questions and insights and all of that. And we'll do it again soon. Sir, I didn't even get to talk about Mayna today, but that's all right. Next week, or maybe on Friday, we'll talk about it. All right. Peace, guys. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was Multi-Chain Live, hosted by Familiar Cow, talking about Rune, Luna, AVAX, and Bitcoin. Recorded on Monday, April 11th, 2022. 
This episode of the Ether was brought to you by Talus. Talus Protocol is the NFT platform for independent artists on Terra. Talus helps to provide artists with the tools and resources needed to transition from traditional art into the NFT world. With their V1 launch coming soon, Talus will be the place to see real-world art reflected on Terra. Be sure to join their Telegram and follow Talus on Twitter for updates on their roadmap, validator, and other Talus news. Find your next favorite artist on talus.art. This episode of the Ether was also brought to you by Orbital Command, a community validator on Terra dedicated to educating, expanding, and promoting the lunatic community. Have you heard about the new Terra Invest Strategy Discord server Orbital Command spun up? If you're looking for a chill place to chat about different Luna stacking strategies or looking for some alpha or if you're trying to find the best UST farms or even if you just have a quick question you need answered, be sure to stop by TIS and say hi to the Orbital Command gang. Hell, I'm even in there sometimes when I'm not editing hours of CFI spaces. You can find me in that server chatting about NFTs and answering basic Terra Luna questions. The link to the server is in the show notes. And for more information, check out orbitalcommand.io. TerraSpaces appreciates the support from all our sponsors. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. Sipping on a little bit of sin I've been giving Try to keep it written down So it feels like I've been living I've been realizing a minute Reality ain't got limits Going out my fucking mind Testing out the physics Stretching out the distance For instance Let me be specific The risk is hedge funding the business Betting on the difference Ingesting all the research Sleeping through the rebirth Sliding out feet first Sleep tight little dreamer Early to bed Early to rise With a rugged ass demeanor Taking beats to the cleaners You know I love my t-shirts And the people who support my little dream here Transparent cows, I gotta steer clear 2020 going down is one fucking weird year Take a second, look around, the psyops is winning Set the table, we just biopsy dinner Now, I'm gonna react to that and act like I'm telling you a personal anecdote Something to break the tension Something to endear myself a little bit Something kind of, uh, embarrassing <laughs> And you guys are gonna make an awe sound it's true. It really happened. They got a tracker in the phone, tracking everywhere we go. When it's final, final, no, I already sold my soul. Getting ready, rock and roll, tip the first domino. Feeling up, I'm in a bowl with these avalanche flows. Stop and rest on the road, gotta get where I'm going. And the rest of y'all know that we hit the ground sore. And I'll be coming for the fuckers that be summoning the trouble. Running on the double while I'm handing out the W's. Putting wins on the board every fucking day. They love me on the team because I know my fucking place. Better get in where you fit in, I'm delivering the meaning. I I inherited the demons, always sneaky, never seen them If I'm breathing, I'm reading, I'm not even being conceited I need to see for myself if you think that I'm believing It's the season of reason, y'all be ceasing the research I'm receiving the meaning, that shit's called teamwork It's not so much as so little as to do with what everything is But it is within our self-interest to understand the topography of our lives unto ourselves The future states that there is no time other than the collapsation of that sensation of the mirror of the memories in which we are living. Common knowledge, but important nonetheless. Terrorist spaces.